During the late 1800s, uh, there was a pastor by the name of John Watson. And he said a quote that is probably familiar to you. But he said, be kind to everyone because everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And I think <clears throat> Reverend Watson is, is correct. I mean, everyone's fighting a hard battle. Each of you is fighting a battle daily. And did you know that as followers of Jesus, we're actually called to fight? And the Scripture is very clear that we, we are, in fact, fighting a battle. We're engaged in holy war. Now, when you hear that term, you probably think of violence. But the type of holy war we're engaged in is, is not fought with guns or missiles or tanks or bombs. The war we're engaged in is what Paul calls the good fight. He tells Timothy in verse 12, fight the good fight of the faith. So we're fighting a battle, and that battle is a fight of faith. In other words, it's a battle for godliness. It's a battle for holiness. It's a battle for Christ-likeness. And I've said this before, but you just don't drift into godliness, right? You don't just accidentally become more like Jesus. That just doesn't happen that way. And so Paul tells Timothy, no, it's a fight. It is a battle that you are engaged in. It is a battle to live out. Now listen to this. This is the whole crux of this whole message. And this is what we're going to talk about. He says, it is a battle, it is a fight to live out who you are in Christ. Did you hear that? You know in Christ you're a child of God. But it is a battle to live that out. To flesh that out day to day. To live out who you are in Christ. Notice that Paul says in verse 11, he addresses Timothy as man of God. He's a listed man of God because that's who Timothy is. He is a man of God. He's a child of the king. And Paul is telling them that if he wants to live out his position, if he wants to live out his identity, who he is, then he's going to have to fight for it. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are a man of God or a woman of God. That is who you are. And if you want to live out who you are, then you're going to have to fight for it. It's not just going to come naturally. It's not going to come easy. You're not going to drift in it. You're not going to accidentally become like Jesus. Okay, You have to fight for it. It's a battle. And in this passage, Paul gives Timothy a strategy to fight the good fight of faith. And if you look at any good fighter, any good fighter you look at has a good strategy to prepare for the fight, to get ready to fight. You know, Mike Tyson uh, had his heyday when I was in, uh, I guess, middle school. Mike Tyson went 19-0 with 19 knockouts and was the heavyweight champion of boxing at the age of 20. And when Mike Tyson would get ready for a fight, he would get up at 4 a.m. and begin to run to work on his cardio because you don't want to tire out you know, in the middle of the fight. So he works on his cardio. Then he would spend time working on his punching. And he, they'd use some type of number system. They'd number every punch. And the trainer and Mike Tyson would memorize these numbers. And they would just call out these numbers. And he would, he would learn how to, to box, to punch. But also he would learn how to dodge punches, which is important in boxing from what I hear. Uh, you want to be able to dodge them too, not just throw them. 
Badajan. And so he would work on that. And a boxer usually spends six weeks preparing for a fight that may last 30 minutes. But it takes strategy, it takes preparation, it takes execution. Every good fighter has a strategy. And every fight, every battle involves strategy, preparation, and then execution. And that includes the battle we find ourselves in. If you're a Christian, you're in a battle. And the question is, do you have a strategy? I mean, are you prepared? Are you ready to execute the plan in your life on a daily basis? And so let's look at this passage of Scripture. And let's see how Paul instructed Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. First he says, one part of the strategy, the battle strategy, is knowing when to flee. Which is an interesting battle strategy, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, okay, we're going to battle. You need to know when to run. Okay. When, to, when to surrender or retreat. Not surrender so much as retreat, withdraw. You know, a strategic withdrawal, I think, is a fancy way of saying retreat. So you need to know when to flee. Look at verse 11. He says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And these things, we talked about this last week, in, in immediate context, these things refer to Uh, The unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels. Also the unhealthy craving for wealth. But these things entail everything that Paul's been saying in the letter. In other words, flee these things that are contrary to the Word of God. That are contrary to what God has for you. That go against you becoming more like Jesus. So flee these things. Now I want you to just think about this for a minute. Just imagine that you're allergic to peanuts. And some of you may be. Imagine you're allergic to peanuts, and if you eat a peanut, you could die. And some of you may know some people like this. Severe peanut allergy. Now, if that's true of you, what is your relationship going to be with peanuts? I mean, (laughs) you don't want anything to do with peanuts. It's not like you're sitting there thinking, you know, I wonder if I can just put a few peanuts in my trail mix. You're not thinking that way. You're not thinking, I wonder if I can just put a tiny bit of peanut in whatever I'm trying to fix. Just kind of, just a little little dose of it. No. You're trying to avoid peanuts at all costs. You're trying to get as far away from peanuts as well. You're telling everybody around you, don't bring peanuts around me. You know. You don't want anything to do with the peanuts. In other words, you're trying to flee peanuts. Because you know how they affect you. And so, in a similar way, part of our strategy in seeking and pursuing godliness is that there are some things that we just need to flee and stay away from. Run away from. Get away from. Because of the influence they have on us. Ideas, teaching, temptations, people that may have an influence on you that that are not going to encourage you towards godliness, but rather encourage you towards ungodliness. And so, that means, and this, you need to hear me when I say this now, that means there may be some people that you need to stay away from. You may say, well, Ron, aren't we supposed to love everyone? Absolutely. Love them, pray for them, but let me tell you something. We are all influenced by what we see, what we hear, and who we are around. And so you have to be wise in who you allow to influence you. 
And there are some people that you need to flee from. There are some people that you just don't need to hang around. Because they are influencing you more than you are influencing them. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. You know, there are some things you just need to stay away from. Don't even get close to it. Because it can have a bad influence on your walk with the Lord. So if you're going to pursue godliness, we are going to need to learn how to flee. And I wonder if, there is, if there's anybody in, there in your life like that. Is there anybody in your life that uh, is influencing you more than you're influencing them? In other words, they're influencing you away from the Lord more than you're influencing them towards the Lord. If so, you need to put a little more space between you and this person or this teaching or this philosophy. You need to flee. So Paul tells Timothy to flee those things that are contrary to the Word of God. The second part of the battle plan, the battle strategy, is that not only do we need to know what to flee from, but we need to know what to pursue. Okay, There's some things we need to pull away from, but there's other things that we need to pursue. Listen to what Paul says in verse 11. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, He's saying, you know, we need to pursue those things that will, that will flesh out our faith more and more, right? That will push our faith to the surface more and more. So we need to be asking ourselves questions like this. You know, what areas of my life are not in line with God's ways? So if you never ask those questions, it's going to be hard to pursue godliness, pursue righteousness, right relationships with man and God. To discern whether you are a loving person, loving God, loving people, unless you ask the question. I mean, is there, what, look at, let me look at my life. Are there any areas that just are not lining up with God's ways and God's word? We need to be asking those types of questions because, you know, we are only given 24 hours a day to pursue what we want to pursue. And some more than others that spent time sleeping. So that narrows it down. So we only have so much time to pursue different things. And so you need to ask the question, you know, how am I pursuing godliness in my day-to-day life? How am I pursuing godliness in my workplace? And what does that look like? How am I pursuing godliness in my family? How am I pursuing godliness in my relationships and my friendships? How am I pursuing godliness in how I use social media and entertainment? And if we want our lives to match up with who we are in Christ, Paul says you've got to fight for it. You've got to be intentional with this. And in this battle, there are some things you need to flee, and there are other things that you need to pursue. The third part of the battle strategy is that we must take hold of eternal life. Paul says it this way in verse 12. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, have you ever have you ever gone shopping for something that's very hard to find? And then you go to the store and you find it? Maybe some of you have been there. Or maybe it was like Black Friday, you know. You're looking for that one thing. And, uh, you know, it's hid behind the comforters or something. You find it. And, you know, when you find it, you know, what do you do? Well, you grab it, you throw it in the cart, right? Because if you get it into your cart, it's yours. It's going to be yours, right? And so it's in your cart. 
And once it's in your cart, you're walking around the store, you're excited. You're content. You're not really shopping anymore because you have what you were looking for, right? Well, life is a lot like walking around a store. You know, first of all, some of us don't know what we want. And so we're just throwing a bunch of junk in the cart left and right. It's like going grocery shopping with a three-year-old. I mean, you got junk just being, what do we need? To, what is this? How did this? You ever done that? Get to the cashier? What, how did this get in here? You know, that's happened several times with us. Um, but it's like you, you're walking around the store. You don't know what you want. You're just throwing a bunch of junk in there. But for some of us, we have found what we were made to find. And that is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We have found eternal life in Christ. And Paul is telling Timothy, you need to take hold of eternal life, this eternal life to which you were called. Just like when you were walking around the store, content and excited that you found that one thing you were looking for, we need to take hold of of eternal life. We need to put it in our carts, which is what you do when you place your faith in Jesus. Put it in your cart and take it with you. So as you go through life and you fight the good fight of faith, we can look down into our carts and realize that we have eternal life in Christ. Yes, we're walking down several different types of aisles and encountering several different types of people. I mean, but we have eternal life in Christ. And that should give us hope. If our hope is based on the promises of God. And it is the promise of eternal life through faith in Christ. That is the good confession that Paul is talking about in verse 12. Listen to what he says again. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul is reminding Timothy of his baptism. He's saying, remember, Timothy, when you stood before everybody and you confessed Christ as Lord. Remember that, that, that commitment? Remember when you placed your faith in Jesus and you inherited eternal life? Remember that confession you made? That's what you need to take hold of. And I wonder for you, do you remember when you first desired to know God? And do you remember... Becoming aware of your sin and your need of God's forgiveness. And did you remember hearing the gospel that God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin? That you don't have to pay for your sin, that God took care of it on the cross? And that by accepting Jesus and His payment for your sin, you can have forgiveness and eternal life? Do you remember that? you remember thinking, that is the best news I've ever heard. I mean, I can remember that. I can remember sitting in my home the summer before my 11th grade year in high school. I remember hearing the gospel and it making sense. And I said, who wouldn't want to place their faith in Christ? It was good news. That's what Paul tells Timothy. You need to take hold of what is true of you in Christ. And you need to carry that with you. Because that's what's going to fuel you, give you strength in the battle as you fight the battle for godliness. It is the truth of who you are in Christ and what you have. And so that promise that God will finish what He both started in us and in the world is the promise we must cling to as we, as we fight the battle of faith.
Paul goes on to say in verses 13 onward, he says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, listen to this, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. And you're thinking, okay, where, where are you going with that, Paul? Okay, I'm taking hold of eternal life that is mine in Christ, carrying it with me. And then you're reminding me of Jesus' confession before Pontius Pilate. What did Jesus confess? Well, Jesus confessed His kingship before Pontius Pilate. Jesus confessed His kingship, that He is the King. And it cost Him His life. And so Paul says, remember Christ, that He made the good confession. He proclaimed His kingship, even though it led to His death. And so you, when you face difficulty, when you walk through life, you fight this fight of faith, Make the good confession, Christ is King. You make that same confession. Look to Christ as His, you know, let His example strengthen you as you face various trials and difficulty. And then you too can confess, continually to confess Christ as King. Strength also comes from, he talks about it here, knowing Christ will return. Look at uh, verse 14. He says, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the promise of the second coming of Christ is really foundational to our hope. You know, if Christ doesn't come back, then anything that we do really doesn't make any sense. Right? I mean, it doesn't, if Christ isn't coming back, then everything we do is just in vain. And like Paul says, we should be pitied among all men. And we're still in our sin. But if Christ is coming back, if He's been raised from the dead and He's coming back, that changes everything. Because now it gives us the long view. It gives us that eternal perspective. And it keeps us from being caught up in the short view. And we can begin to live beyond just what we see in the circumstance. But we can actually believe that, okay, even though I don't know how this is going to work out now, I believe Christ will come back and He's going to make all things new. So He says, remember Jesus will return. And then in verses 15 and 16, Paul ends this section reminding us of the God we serve. He says, verse 15, which He will display at the proper time, meaning God will bring Christ back, will allow the return of Christ at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I read this one, um, the literal translation of that. It's, the King of those kinging and the Lord of those lording. <laughs> Which is a great way to think about it. Your God is the King of those who are kinging, trying to reign and rule. He's the King of those kings. And He's the Lord of those lording. He is the Sovereign One. Who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And so we are the people of God. If you're in Christ, you are a man of God, a woman of God. And we are fighting a battle. But we're not battling to extend our geographic barriers, right? We're not trying to increase the boundary of some uh, specific land or uh, trying to increase our riches. But we are people fighting the good fight of faith because of who God is. Of who God is, the God we serve. This God who is sovereign, who is 
King of kings, Lord of lords, who alone has immortality. In other words, He is the fountain of life. It's like Wayne prayed earlier. He is the source of all things good, all things living. He is the fountain of life. He alone has life to give. And everything that exists owes its existence to Him. He dwells in unapproachable light. He is pure. He sheds light on all things, and yet He Himself cannot be perceived because of His glory. And yet we see because of who He is. And He is the God we serve. And so we fight, not with guns, not with missiles, tanks, or bombs, but we do fight. Don't, don't misunderstand me. It's a battle. It's a fight. A daily fight. We fight for godliness by fleeing and pursuing and taking hold of and remembering the God we serve. Let us pray. Father, thank You for this battle plan that Paul sent to Timothy many years ago. Lord, just reveal in our hearts and in our lives uh, influences that we need to flee from. That we don't need to debate with or um, cozy up to. But Lord, we just need to get away from it. And Lord, show us what to pursue. Godliness, righteousness, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Lord, help us to see what that looks like every single day in every area of our lives. What does it look like to pursue godliness today? Lord, remind us of your promises. Remind us of the eternal, the eternal life we have in Christ. Remind us of Jesus' confession when times got tough, that he stayed true to you. And Lord, just continue to remind us who you are. That you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the only one who has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. And in Christ, we have the privilege of calling you Father. And we are grateful for that. Lord, give us strength today as we seek to fight the good fight of faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.